Well, let's make our confession. It's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. Are you here on purpose? Can I see the hand of the Kelly had a great word last Wednesday. A really great word. But the crowd was subdued. I don't know whether we were busy that night or whatever happened, we came in. But I felt for Kelly because she had a powerful word and it was just like we need an electrical charge in every seat for somebody just to say, ah, amen, or something. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm going to be alive tonight. Okay, because you are here on purpose and you're going to be alive to hear the word of God and to be part of the message. So it's okay to act up in church. Tell your neighbors, it's okay to act up in church. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Now the oldie but the goodie. Glory to God. I still like chrome cars. Hallelujah. Now the word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbors before you're seated. It is just that simple. If we live the word, we're going to be blessed. Isn't that right, Pam? We live the word, we're going to be blessed. We don't, we won't. It's just that simple. I got a couple of key stories to tell for, with you before we get into the message tonight. But uh, the message tonight is that your mind is a battlefield. How many of you have found that to be true? Can I see your hands? Your, God, God wants control of your mind. Devil wants the control of your mind. And the world wants control of your mind. And the world is in cahoots with the devil. So don't be concerned about whether it's the devil or the world. They are both running in the same direction. But joy is a great thing to have. And the joy of the Lord is our? The joy of the Lord is our? So if you need more strength, what do you need? Need more joy. Okay. Pam, I, I think about this when we, oh, there you are. I think about, I think about this one when we first got married. We've been, how long have we been married? 80 years? 80 years. No, it seems like it. No, it's a long time. But, but, but anyway, uh, when you instructed me never to wash your clothes again, uh, <laughs> I thought I was being a great help, you know, and I put them all in there together, and she was not happy at all. It was not, you still don't like for him to wash your clothes, do you? I'm going to buy, a, I know what, I'm going to get us a gift to get a second clothes hamper. That would work out perfect. No, you just the washing Are you what? The washing for your oh, I do. I do. When I walk by the laundry door, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? When I walk by that laundry door, when that washing uh, door's open, I love to wad it up and just take a shot and, and see how many. How, you the same way? All the way back in the back row. Good job. And my wife doesn't like that. <laughs> okay. One day, a housework-challenged husband decided to wash his new sweatshirt all by himself. He hadn't done that before, hadn't done the washing. And he went in the laundry room, and he wasn't sure what to do, so he called his wife and said, Hey, wh what do I need to do? What kind of setting on this washing machine? And the wife said, Well, what does it say on your sweatshirt? He said, Auburn University. That went over really, really bad. <laughs> really, Only three people got it or thought it was funny. Okay, we'll proceed ahead here. 
Anaid and his men returned to their castle after a large day, long day of hard fighting. And the king said, how did it go fighting for my kingdom? Said, sir, we pillaged all the villages on the west and annihilated them and brought back all the booty. And the king said, what? I don't have any enemies on the west. <laughs> the knights looked at him, shook their head and said, well, you do now. An elderly man, very elderly, was invited to dinner at the home of an older friend who had been married for about 50 or 60 years. They were in their 90s. And he watched as this man who had the home talked to his wife and called her, Honey, my love, my darling, sweetheart, pumpkin. They'd been married for 70-some years. And the, the guest was just so impressed by the way he talked to his wife. So when the wife got up to go to the kitchen, the guest leaned over to the man and said, I think it's wonderful all of these names and nicknames that you call your wife after all of these years. And the old man looked at him and smiled and said, the truth is I forgot her name 10 years ago. <laughs> if you if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms. We're going we're gonna to be reading about, in Psalms 84, actually, your, your perception of things in life is one of the most important things in regard to your faith in Jesus that you will have. How you perceive a matter, how you perceive a situation. I'm going to show you something that I've shown before in this church, I think. It's been, been several years ago, I think. But when you're about to see it, some of you have seen it before, so as soon as you see it, you will know what you see. But we will see it differently. Uh, some of you, if you've never seen this before, will draw your perception of it by your first glance. Some of you that have seen it before will see what you've seen before but you'll realize that you can see two things with your perception. So go ahead and put it up there if we have it. And uh, there it is. Uh, how many of you see, uh, an, it's never nice to say ugly lady, but how many of you see a lady that probably is less than attractive in that picture? Can I see your hands? Okay. How many of you see a very beautiful lady in that hand? Okay, now all of you that, that saw a very beautiful lady, raise your hands if you've seen this before. Okay, so almost all of you who see a beautiful lady saw that beautiful lady before, but the first time you ever saw it, did you maybe see a, a less than beautiful lady? And what happens is your perception locks in. The first time I ever saw this, I saw somebody that was less than beautiful. And so when I looked at that, every time I see that now, I have to look past what appears to be a pretty unlovely looking person, and I can see the beautiful person, but it takes me a little longer because my first impression of this was not of a beautiful lady. And your first impression becomes a perception that can lock up in you if you're not careful. We are all creatures of habit. You don't have to say this if you don't believe it, but if you believe it, just repeat it after me. I am, I am. a creature of habit. 
good or bad, you develop habits. Hopefully, they're good habits, habits based on the Word of God, based on the things that God wants you to have, and releasing your faith in what the Word of God says and what the leading of the Holy Spirit is. But what your response is to situations and circumstances will really greatly determine your victory to walk out on this earth. God's going ahead and prepared the victory for us. Whether we walk it out or not is up to us. But God has a victory for each and every one of us, and we need to walk it out. There's a big difference between the sun and the moon. Uh, I'm not going to get into all of the intricacies of that difference because I don't even understand all of them. But for the basic part of this message, the sun, I don't know how hot the sun is. Somebody does. They've measured it before. But it is so hot that anything that tries to come and bombard the sun is instantly destroyed and liquefied because of the heat. It's not a heat shield around the sun, although it acts like one. The sun itself is so hot that it does not become bombarded. The moon, on the other hand, is only a reflection of the sun, and it is bombarded constantly, pockmarked by bombardments that's come into and hit the moon. As I was praying about this message, that's the example I saw about our mind. Our mind is continually bombarded with thoughts. Some of them from God and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Some of them from the world and some of them from the devil. The devil is trying to destroy us, but God has given us the victory. Now, how many of you would be honest and say sometimes your mind seems to be bombarded with things that really negatively affect you in the area of your emotions and your actions. Can I see your hands? Now, what we would all like to do is say, I want for that to stop and go away and never happen again. Well, the bombardment process is what the devil does. He fires fiery darts at people. He walks about as a roaring lion trying to get us to think contrary to the word of God. But we already have the victory. So when the thought comes, it's our job to respond to the thought. When uh, year, This has been back a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, but... Uh, uh, I was in Israel, and some of you have been to Israel also. And during this particular trip, it was a trip for some of the people with Christians United for Israel. And we went over there in solidarity with the, uh, that was one of the big incursions they were having, and rockets being fired into the area. We went down to a place called Ashkelon, and then we went to a missile launching site where the Israelis had developed, this is probably three, four years ago, they developed it, maybe less maybe more, but called Iron Dome. They developed it in conjunction with America, but basically it was their scientists and their people that developed this system. And it is a unique system. The girl that described it to us, we were actually at a launching site right next to the Iron Dome missiles. And it was awesome to see that there's a tent that sets up very close to it, and there's a person in there with all of it. They don't call it radar. They have more of a technical name for it now. But, but they have a, a, a screen through satellite of the entire nation of Israel. And anytime, well, actually beyond the nation of Israel, into the other surrounding nations, anytime a missile is launched, instantly 
they know at the launching of that missile heading into Israel exactly where the missile is going to hit. And there's a person sitting at this control with her finger, it was, it was a girl, on this, by this button. And depending on where the missile is going to hit, she will launch a, an, a, 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 the, the, the a missile uh, a, to go out and stop the incoming missile, or she will let it go because it's going to land in a field that is uninhabited. She has a, just a few seconds to be able to make that decision whether to launch or not. The reason they don't launch every missile to destroy that missile coming in with this Iron Dome is because of the expense of these missiles. They want to make sure they're saving lives, but if it's going into an empty field, they don't want to waste the expense. I thought about that in conjunction with how it works in our life. The missile for the Iron Dome doesn't go and try to get the, and bring down the missile. The missile that is launched goes to the, def, de, uh, to the destination of the enemy's missile that's coming in. And when it gets to a certain point toward the destination, it makes a U-turn and comes back and intercepts the missile as it's coming in. Once it gets on the trajectory of the missile, it can't get off of the trajectory. It's fantastic what they have developed. They've given all of that technology to us. We have that technology. We have some of those missiles in America at the present time. As I was thinking about that story and about the Iron Dome, I was thinking about our mind and how the moment a thought comes, we have to get a hold of that thought when it's against the Word of God. And if we don't respond to it immediately, pushing that button of the Word of God, we will start to meditate something. Can I see the hands of all of the people? You have meditated things you should not have meditated. If your neighbor's hand isn't raised, they may have just gone on to be with the Lord. That is all of us. Everybody say, that's me. All of us have done that. Pam told me something. Uh, you know, we were talking last night at dinner, and we were talking about some situations. Uh, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking about the one situation, and I was just absolutely... Uh, it was taking me the wrong direction because of what I was thinking. I wanted to get on my white horse and just ride off in the pilferage, uh, whatever the word is. Anyway, it, it really, I had, st I had in, the, in my sleep, I had been thinking something contrary to forgiveness. I was thinking about revenge. I woke up in the middle of the night, and, and, and it was like, wow, I've never had that kind of a thought. I was really, really upset over something. And I think, God, why do I feel that way? And I said, because you're not walking in forgiveness. And it's like, wow. And I let it go. I forgave the person. I forgave the situation. I went back to sleep and slept soundly all the rest of the night. Have you ever had God tell you that you were doing something wrong? And most of the time, we are the problem. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, most of the time, you may be the problem. And it might say, well, wait, wait, wait. What about the devil? Isn't he the problem? Yeah, the devil's the problem. Well, wasn't that a problem, what they did? Yeah, it was a problem. Well, in the problem, then all of a sudden it's like, well, what's right and what's wrong? Reminds me of a scene from Fiddler on the Roof, and I've used this example before, but one of my favorite all-time movies is Fiddler on the Roof. How many of you have seen that movie? And Tevye, Tevye, Bill does a great imitation of him. Tevye, Tevye. And he's standing there, the Russian milkman, 
uh, I mean the uh, 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 Jewish milkman, and, and they're talking about the czar. And the one guy says it to the uh, to the rabbi, he says, is, is there a prayer for the czar? And he says, yeah, keep the czar away, far away from us. And Tavier says, ah, you're right. And somebody else says, shouldn't we pray for the czar? And shouldn't we be friendly and love the czar? And he says, yeah, you are right. And then the other guy stands there and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said he's right, and now you said he's right. They both can't be right. He Yes, you're right too. <laughs> In other words, you're all right. Well, we know we're not all right, but but you can your perception of a matter actually determines how you're going to walk out your life, and that if we understand that the enemy is real, but he is defeated. There's tribulation in the world, but it's not part of our world. We have the victory. We're not part of the tribulation process. The, Jesus said, be of good cheer. So we're, we're of good cheer. But wait a minute. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. But we aren't part of the world. Everybody say, I'm not part of the world. So we don't yoke up with that. We don't feel bad about that. Jesus said it's going to come. Jesus said it's going to happen. Our source is the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if we're plugged into that, we're going to be okay. What about everybody else? You can't control everybody else. There's only one person on the face of the earth you have control over, and you're sitting with that person right now. Now, let's look at the book of Psalms, chapter 84, and it says, let me get to it over here myself, Psalms chapter 84, it says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So let's all say it. I am blessed because I trust God. Now, in, in the military... In military boot camp, don't know about all the boot camps, but in, in, in most boot camps, I'm sure they're the same. They try to train you what it's going to be like for warfare. You hope there isn't going to be warfare, but when people went in the military during the Vietnam era and during World War II, it wasn't a hope there wouldn't be war. We were at war, and they were training them for what was going to happen the minute they got out of boot camp. And they train you in real life situations so you are as best as they can recreate them so that you don't become fearful and anxious in combat, but you know what to do and that you're steady, you're calm, and you're ready to respond in any situation based on your training. We have a training manual. It's called the Word of God and the Leading of the Holy Spirit. And when we understand this, then we let it be our guide and our response mechanism. And that many times, we not many times, all the time, we need a gap time in our thought process before we engage our mind with thoughts that we haven't even analyzed. Is this what I really should be thinking? There's a term in the military that goes back years and years. I'm sure they probably still use it. They call it incoming. And uh, if, if you were in, I was never in combat, 
I was in for four years of peacetime, uh, but but right after I got out, Vietnam really took off. And uh, and I'm sure that any Vietnam vet, vet vet that served on the war zone would would tell you, oh yeah, when we had a rocket attack, we could start to hear it, and somebody would pick up the hearing first. And when you hear that rocket coming in, it had a certain sound. They say incoming. That meant immediately get ready to do what you need to do to respond to that missile that's coming in, whether it's going to a trench or doing whatever it was in that defensive posture and then the attack posture of going against where the thing was fired from. Well, we have a lot of incoming. Everybody say, I have incomings. Tell your neighbor, you got incomings. They're coming in in the form of fiery darts into your mind. Well, you'll never make it. You'll never be good enough. You'll never have enough money. Uh, this will not work. That will not work. The, the devil is full of negative bombardment. You and I have to reach the point when we understand and know the truth. Not heard the truth, but know the truth. I want to say this again. Not heard the truth, know the truth. And in John chapter 8, Verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Let's all say this. I shall know the truth, and the truth shall set me free. Now, what we have to do is to find out what does it mean to know the truth. And the word know is an interesting word. It's in my commentary. It means to recognize, to perceive, to understand, and to have knowledge of. To recognize, to perceive, to understand, and to have knowledge of. The Word of God that we quoted earlier tonight said that we, we confess, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now, some people with the right mind, could say, well, wait a minute, you're not healed because we have just read this report and it says such and such and such and such. Your body responds to your faith and what you believe based on the word of God and the will of God, or it will respond based on whatever report is spoken over you. And I'll show you what I'll use to prove this. How many of you know what a placebo is? Placebo is basically a water pill, a sugar pill, or whatever they call it. Placebos, if you ever, if you ever go in and, on the internet, you can do this, and study medicine of, of things that they have, uh, uh, be, that it's become um, a pharmaceutical product, and that it has passed all the tests or whatever, and then it will tell you a certain percent, one of them I looked at the other day, 8% of the people were healed of the placebo of this particular product name. They didn't know it, but they thought they had the real thing. 8% were healed of what they were facing, and it was totally a perception they had of a placebo that they were told purposely, incorrectly, to see if their body would respond to it. Folks, that is really, to a certain extent, how faith works. You release your faith in what God said is truth, and it comes to pass, and it will change the chemical responses in your body, and it will change your immune system. It comes from speaking the Word of God. 
So that's why it's so important not just to hear the Word of God, but to know the Word of God. And I believe a lot of people in the body of Christ today, I, I, I just see it over and over again, they've heard the Word of God, but they don't know the Word of God. And therefore, they're not living the Word of God. You've got, you, probably all of you have people in, in extended families that you're praying for. That, that They've heard the Word of God, but they're not living the Word of God. They don't really know the Word of God. And they're just out there with the world doing their thing. I talked to one just today out in Colorado. I talked to this young man again. And uh, he, he just, he will not plug in to really know the things of God. And so, therefore, he is at the hands of the devil day in and day out. We're not going to let go of him. We're not going to let go of him. But, but there's one thing to hear. So everybody say, there's a difference between hearing the word and knowing the word. Now, don't let this confuse you now because the word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's important that you hear the word of God. But you've got to know, perceive, and recognize this is truth. I have the mind of Christ. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter if I forget something. It doesn't matter if I say something wrong. I have the mind of Christ. I may miss it every once in a while, but it does not change what I have. I have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Tell your neighbor, you have the mind of Christ. So what we do is we live with what we have, and we begin to understand this, that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let's all say, I am free. We're not part of this world system. We're not part of the devil's system. We are set apart. Now, the reason we can do this, and the reason we can have this manifest in our lives, and this is, it's a scripture that I use all the time. So if you're here and you say, well, gosh, you said that, said that the last time you, you ministered. I probably eventually say this every time I minister. Because without understanding this, you will never be totally free, even though you are free. You will never walk totally in the freedom you have if you don't understand the importance of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We do have the mind of Christ, but it says that you and I are to present our body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service, and that we do not, and under any circumstance, conform to this world. You, people should look at you that are out there in the world and think, you are weird. You think you know everything. I know who knows everything. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I know who knows everything. And he lives inside me. And sometimes I may miss it, but I know his voice. And I know who he is. And I know what's wrong. If it looks like a pig, squirts like a pig, and acts like a pig, it's probably a pig. If it's something that the devil is doing, and you know it's of the devil, and somebody says, well, I believe that we live in a different time frame right now. You are deceived from the knowledge of the word of God. I love you, but I do not believe what you believe. And you are believing a lie. And we have to get to the point in our lives when we are ready in love through the leading of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God into people's lives and make a difference in their life because we know the truth and the truth has set us free and now we go forth to do and set other people free. And it says that we won't be conformed to this world, but we will prove what is the good acceptable, we'll be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we will know what is the good acceptable perfect will of God. I, I just I gave a guy a book the other day of Brian, it was from Brian Tracy uh, on uh, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. 
Brian Tracy is an excellent author. He's written books that are deemed a secular, but he is a Christian, but secular because he wants he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to market at Barnes and Noble in the Christian section. I can understand this. You want everybody to be able to read your book. So I can totally understand this. But it made me think about a book I read not too long ago, about a year ago. I'd read the book years and years ago, but it's The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, one of the most outstanding books that is still selling millions of copies. Uh, 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 he's been in heaven for years. But The Power of Positive Thinking, and sometimes the people say, oh, is that that word of faith movement, or is that that word movement, or whatever? Folks, the whole body of Christ and the whole Bible is based on the word of faith. Everybody say word of faith. Some people say, well, the word of faith got a bad, bad name because of something or something or something. Word of faith doesn't have a bad name. That is what God gave us. He gave us his word, which was faith to live by, the word of faith. The word of faith that takes us from glory to glory when we live the word and that we know the will of God because we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does my mind say? Through praise and worship tapes, through reading the word of God, through listening to the right things. I am the, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I have victory in my life because I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, I just took a hit over here. I I feel like saying something I shouldn't say right now. Therefore, for me, the easiest response I have, I'm talking about me personally, is to say, you know what? I have the victory through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58. Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What are you going to do about this situation? I have no idea. But I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, how will we make it? I have no idea, but I know this. God is on the throne, and God knows more about this than we do. My life was not affected when we lost the House of Representatives. My life was not going to be affected if we lose the Senate. My wife is not going to... My wife? <laughs> my wife is not going to be affected if I say something wrong. No. <laughs> we get to the point... Now, if you understand this, you get to the point when you are not emotionally affected by anything that is negative and contrary to the Word of God. I'm going to say this. I know it's going to make some people look bad, mainly just your sister, but that's okay. <laughs> we were at a bad, she's not here, so I can say it. We were at a basketball game the other day. I love basketball. I love to go to the games. I love all sports. I love to go and be there. Some people, it's like a workout for them. To me, it's relaxing. I enjoy going. Well, this was a close game. Faith was playing East Hip, and Faith ended up losing their first game. Dan is their coach, and they have an excellent ball club, seventh graders. These kids are unbelievable for seventh grade. But they did manage to blow a 10- or 12-point lead, come back, and, and Chris decides to get on the uh, referees. Oh, glory to God. And then there's a nudge in the yard. Do you, do you agree with that call? Now, I'm enjoying the game. I'm having an awesome, beautiful game. I'm really, do you agree with that call? Did you see that call? What do you, how can you sit there so calm? I'm having a great time. I've never seen an official yet who showed up and said, I'm going to figure out how to screw up this whole game for all the people watching. They got down on the officials and everything. It was like they were having a workout in a steam hot or something. And, and they, I threw two in there, didn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> You are twins. But, but anyway, but I was enjoying the game. But, but it's like, why let anything upset you to cause you to be emotionally distraught 
and lose the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Why would we let anybody take the fruit of the Spirit from us? Love, peace, joy, long-suffering. I mean, why would we be like that? Well, my mom was like that. You're not your mom. Well, my granddad was like that. You're not your granddad. You are supposed to be like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're supposed to be like Jesus. And Jesus was like his daddy. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God told us. He told you. Everybody say, God told me. God told you in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 that you, Jerry Cashman, are supposed to imitate God as a dear little child. Not just be like a little child that God has to take care of, that Joe has to take care of, but as a, as a dear little child, imitate God. Now think about that just for a moment. If you really believed it, if you really know the truth, and the truth has set you free, who's going to go to the basketball game? God's going to the basketball game because you're going to imitate God at the basketball game. You're going to imitate God where you work. You're going to imitate God around your family. Nothing bothers God. God is love, and God's spirit resided in Jesus, and that spirit resides in us through Galatians 5.22. So therefore, we are imitators of God, as dear little children, and we are conforming to the image of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I see the image of Christ in you. Now, when you start to live this life, when the incoming thought comes, nobody likes you, but I like me, and God likes me, and we're a team, and that's enough. Well, what will people think if I say that? Who cares what people think? And really, people think very little about you anyway. <laughs> turn, to the, turn to your name and tell them, people don't think as much about you as you think they do. They're not thinking about you. Little test. What are most people thinking about? Themselves. Most people are thinking about themselves. And you know what? If you're not careful, you can be like most people. You can be a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and all you're doing is thinking about yourself. Well, they, why don't they like me? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Why don't they do this? You are a perfect example. Well, I'm talking about people that aren't here tonight. You're here, so you're not a perfect example. <laughs> but when we start thinking about that, we're a perfect example of somebody who's operating with an unrenewed mind. And an unrenewed mind is a perfect target for the devil. You know, in the scripture, and I think it's James. I can't remember. Four seven, I think. The, no, First uh, Peter somewhere. First Peter chapter five verse eight, I believe. The devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. I believe he's walking around seeing who doesn't have a renewed mind. And if your mind is renewed, it's whoo, we're coming back another day to attack here. But this person is not ready for an attack. But this person is. Remember in Luke chapter 4, I think it's verse 18, it said the devil, when, when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was being, the devil was trying to attack him and deceive him in thoughts and in words, just like in the Garden of Eden. And it said that Jesus finally said to the devil, away with you, devil. And it says the devil left 
to return at a more opportune time. In other words, he wanted to come back when Jesus was a little weaker in his mind. It didn't work with Jesus. But for you and I, the devil right now is planning. He's either attacking you full scale right now, or he is planning his next attack. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The only part of the devil that you should see is when he's trying to attack, you resist him, and he flees from you. All you see is the backside of the devil. But realize, everybody say, but realize, that he's coming again. And when he comes again, the Holy Spirit will show you how to repel his attack based on the Word of God and what God shows you to do. How many of you have ever been involved in a situation that's really a high-tense situation? You know what God's showing you to do, but you don't want to do it. Can I see your hands? Now, that is a definition. I'm sorry you've already raised your hands, but that is really a definition of a very foolish person because you're under attack. The incoming is coming. It's already hit your mind. And say, God, what should I do? And God says, I don't want to do that. And this is like, man, you are just right for the devil because that is exactly where he wants you to be, not doing what God is showing you to do. But you can do it. Everybody say, you can do it. My famous, my fam I, I'm going to coin this because I like it. It's not original with me, but my favorite counsel to all people, what is it, Pam? What did God tell you to do? Pardon? What did God tell you to do? Yeah, what did God tell you to do? But what I was really thinking about was suck it up, get over it, and move on. Matter of fact, let's just say it. Suck it up, get over it, and move on. You know? It works. It really does. People will think you don't have compassion, but that's not true. It's not true. We don't want people to stay defeated. We, we have the victory. Let, and you should look like it. So let's all say, I have the victory. That's why that scripture, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hey, that gentleman all the way back there is from Logansport. Did you know that in the back row? Yeah, he's from Logansport. He knows a friend of yours. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12. I just met him today. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, it says that, that we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. Let us focus upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. You're going to focus on something. Everybody say, I'm going to focus on something. You're focused on something right now. It's either a Chick-fil-A after church or a hamburger or a, a bowl of soup or something else or the Word of God. Every once in a while, I know if I'm not up here preaching, I'll be over there and, and Pam, if Pam is ministering, she'll be toward the end. I, think, I wonder if we're going to get a Chick-fil-A or if we're going to get a bowl of soup tonight. I'm, th I'm thinking it's Chick-fil-A right now. It's about quarter till. Now, it says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily tries to ensnare us. What is sin? Anything that is not of faith is sin. So when the word of God is being taken from you and, it's plant, and, and something else is being planted, you're never going to make it. It's stealing your faith. It's stealing your word. That person doesn't really love you. They don't even care about you. Your finances are draining up and you'll never have enough money. God doesn't even like you. He knows what you used to be like. Favorite one for me, not favorite, <laughs> the one I believed all the time was God could never use me. 
I never believed God could use me because I knew my past better than anybody. I knew what I had done. I knew where I'd been. And, and, and I knew the church that I was in. And the church that I was in said, if you've ever been divorced, you can't really be used in ministry by God. And I thought, that's fine with me. I know how bad I had been. But then we went to Tulsa and we heard a different word. God's plan and God's purpose for your life never changes. No matter what you've done, it didn't change God's plan. You changed, but God didn't change his plan. And the minute you understand righteousness, the minute you understand forgiveness, then you get right back on the path again, and you might have lost a few months or a few times, but you can catch up because God will put you on a fast track. Turn to your David telling God will put you on a fast track. Some of us need to get on that fast track. Now, Isaiah 26, verse 1 and 3 says that we need to focus upon God and that in Him there is perfect peace, and this is what we as believers should have. Isaiah 26, verse 1 and 3. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because He trusts in you. So let's all say I have... Available to me, perfect peace. Oh, glory to God! Wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you like to be at peace all the time? It's everybody say it's possible. Don't think about all the things that are going wrong. See, as a creature of habit, we have a tendency. A lot of times, you'll say, "I'll hear people say this about people." I've probably done it myself. Their problem is they're negative. They see everything through negative vision. It's because they've developed that habit. The glass is half full. It's never full. Uh, people aren't kind enough. They're never whatever. In, in other words, th there are habits that people develop that they don't realize it comes from a non-renewed mind and you see everything through a negative lens. You can live your whole life that way, but you will miss the life that God has for you. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave for you, uh, uh, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled or be afraid. In other words, no anxiety, no fear, nothing that would cause you to separate from what God has for you. I'm going to sum up this message in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, and for time's sake, I'm just going to have to... Uh, you did that the last service. <laughs> You're healed in Jesus' name. Uh, but but it's, it's Isaiah chapter... Uh, the reason I recognize it is because it has a distinct sneeze. Really? <laughs> Ephesians, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 6. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, it's, it's the story of uh, Elisha, and it's the story of his servant, and the king, and I'm sure you probably have heard this story before from time to time, but basically in paraphrasing it, the, the king of Syria was planning uh, uh, another attack uh, against the, the people of God, and, and Elisha, every time he would plan an attack, Elisha would hear it in the spirit, and he would go to warn the people. He would send his servant to warn the people. How many of you know that from time to time in the realm of the spirit, you hear things regarding other people? You, you just hear it. You hear it. And then you have to discern, is this something I need to go tell them? Oh my goodness, I don't know how they're going to react. Or is this just something you need to pray? You need to know both, but never be concerned about how they react. 
Never be concerned about people. That's, that's, that's an anxious, uh, a fearful type thing of not wanting to offend people. We want to serve God no matter what he tells us to do. And, and, and so the king finally realized that something's going wrong here. All of my battle plans that I have, the, 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 the Israeli people know about it in advance. Which one of you are telling them? And, and finally, one of the king's servants said, it's not us, it's this guy, Elisha. Elisha, here's what you say in your bedroom. He, he knows everything. And he said, well, go get him. We're, we're going to annihilate this guy. The enemy, the minute you really start serving God and letting God use you in the realm of the Spirit and reach out and help people and talk to people and, and tell them about Jesus and all, you, become, you get a bullseye right on you, and the devil really comes after you. You want to sit home and watch TV and do nothing all day long and, do, and you know, not go to church and not learn the Word of God, the devil will probably leave you alone. But once you start moving out for God, you, you, you're going you're gonna to be a bullseye on your back from the devil. Doesn't mean you stop doing it. Just means you know how to repel every attack because you have the best iron dome that was ever invented. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you have an iron dome. That sucker will intersect the devil every single time if you'll release to it and say, in Jesus' name, I have the victory. You can't touch me. You have no place in my life. No place in my life, devil. You only place you have, if I let you have it, is in my mind, and you're not going to get my mind. I'm going to meditate the Word of God day and night, day and night, day and night. If you only know one scripture and then repeat it over and over and over again, but you probably need to learn more than one scripture. Uh, and and, and but so anyway, all of a sudden they catch up with Elisha. He's in Dothan or someplace like that. And, 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 and so the, the, the king of Syria sent all of his manpower. They've surrounded them. And the servant gets up early in the morning, maybe to get ready for breakfast or whatever. And the servant walks out and, uh, and, and, and the servant sees the enemy surrounded. Have you ever opened your eyes one day and found out that all hell has broken loose? It's like, oh my goodness. Uh, we had, uh, I don't think she mind me saying this. Was it Morgan who went to the dentist? Yes. Yeah, went to the dentist and, and thought she had a toothache and found out she needed a root canal. Glory to God, I haven't had a root canal for years. I had no idea what a root canal cost. Was it $1,500? Is that right? I shouldn't have... Uh, yeah, yeah, that that is expensive. Gee, women need to be a dentist. But but anyway, uh, but but always, I'm sure at Christmas time or any other time, how many of you have got fifteen hundred dollars sitting around for a crown or a root canal? Probably none of us do. But all of a sudden, where's your source? My God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. What are you going to do? My God, the devil will try to push you to come up with an answer as to what you're going to do. All you need to do is quote the word of God. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I have wisdom from God. I know how to respond. What are you going to do? I have wisdom from God. See, sometimes there's a gap time. There's a gap time from when you speak in the word of God until you actually know what to do, but you know what to say. Everybody say, I know what to say. And so the little old servant guy, he's out there and he's looking around. And he says, hey, big guy, we got problems. We got serious problems. Elisha, we are surrounded by the enemy. There is more of them than there is of 
us. That's what can happen when the world system and the devil gets a hold of your mind. Wow, there are far more things going wrong than right. That's not true. That is a lie. You may have something that isn't going right, but it doesn't mean that you got more things going wrong. And then, uh, here we go. Now we go. In verse number 16, I bet I made it really hard for you up there on PowerPoint. I was not following the script. Don't fear. This is Elisha. Don't fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can you see this little servant? He's standing there. He's seen all the miracles that Elisha has performed, the axe head that floated up, uh, turning the water, making the water pure, all sorts of things that he's done. And he's probably looking around there and he's thinking, there's 250,000 of them and there's two of us and you're telling me that there's more of us than with them. You know, there are times when we will look foolish to the world, but not to God. There's more of us. We have more power than the world. We have more power than any force in this world because that power lives within us, and it is the power of Almighty God. Now, this is what I want to share with you. Don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are in the world. Three important elements that come forth in this statement that he made. Number one, the servant was not wrong in what he said. What shall we do? The only thing that we need to do is say, God, I am faced with something that I've not been faced with before. What should I do? How do you want me to respond to this situation? And God will show you. God will show you. So let's all say, what should I do, God? Number two, we don't fear because we're part of a superior force. We are part of a superior force. I'm not believing for our government to change, but if we lo when I say we lost, you know, you might be here and you might be a Democrat and you might be rejoicing that the Democrats have the House. But, but wh whether the Republicans or the Democrats have the House is not going to affect my covenant. Yours either. Say it's not going to affect my covenant. If we have the Senate, praise God. If we don't have the Senate, praise God. If we have the presidency, praise God. If we don't have the presidency, praise God. If the finances are going the way I want, praise God. If they aren't going the way I want, praise God. I'm going to be praising God day and night and trusting God. He knows more than I do. This will be a really good example for many of you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them on each side, God is smarter than you are. <laughs> and number three, what did, what did you say? To the servant. He said, Lord, open his eyes. What is he talking about? He needs to focus, not through the lens of what you see in the world, but through the lens of the Spirit. I saw the angels and the chariots of fire. What do we see? We don't practice this enough, but there are angels in this room. There are angels all around us. I don't, I've never seen an angel, but when we were in Russia with Terry, I have it in my prayer journals, when somebody came up and said they saw an angel standing behind me, that happened to you once, somewhere, somebody saw an angel when we were ministering, I haven't seen, I feel it, I, I've never seen an angel, but I'd like to, but I don't have to see an angel to believe in an angel. I don't have to see God to believe in God. I don't have to see Jesus to believe in Jesus. 
I don't have to see the manifestation to believe the manifestation is coming. And the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, that you and I, as believers of the truth, must capture every thought that tries to get a hold of us. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God through pulling down strongholds. Eve got a stronghold based on an incorrect word contrary to the word of God from the devil. Adam let a stronghold get a hold of his mind, and it ruined everything that God tried to do. But now God has restored it, and the devil is still trying to do the same thing. He's trying to get us to believe a lie. You're sick. When I hear people say this, I am sick, I think, oh, God, don't say that. You may have a bad report, but you are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Oh, my mind is horrible. No, you have the mind of Christ. My kids will never amount to anything. You and the seed are going to excel at all that they do. God's going to take care of everything. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says that, that we have to cast down, take captive and cast down every single thought that comes our way that tries to acknowledge its that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. What is the thought that's trying to take me captive? I refuse that thought. It's contrary to the word of God. And you become so sensitized to the word of God that the minute a word contrary to the word of God comes, you take that thing and say, I cast that thought down. I refuse to think that thought. I will not think that thought another second. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. I am healed. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. You may just have fallen down and done something stupid. Get up and ask for forgiveness and move on and see yourself the way you saw yourself before you fell. Because if you don't, you will fall prey to the devil and he will destroy you through your thought life. And he had no power in your life. He had no ability in your life. But because you let him have it, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he is excellent at what he does. And what he does is through the thought life. Let's all stand to our feet. But I believe that we are going... From glory to glory, I believe God's got a great plan for all of our lives. But what we have to do is get to the point where the most important thing in our life is the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. They're both one in the same. The Word of God is what God has given us in His Word. We have it to learn, to download, to get it all equipped within us. Then the current manna of the Holy Spirit that God wants to show us the decisions that we're to make, the things that we're to do, and that when we line up with the things of God, the power of God and the force of God is there for us. Tonight you may be here and you may need a miracle in your life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your destiny, my friend, is hell. Not because God made hell for man. God made hell for the devil and the devil only. But he set heaven up as the destination for all of mankind. But he set a key, and that key was Jesus. And that the entrance to hell would be based not on how good we are or how bad we've been. It would be based on whether or not we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? 
If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't let another moment go by. It's too critical. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. You need to get right with God and let Jesus come into your life. Maybe you're here and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. You know that at one time you had accepted him, but you know you've walked away from him. God still loves you and he's calling you back. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, you have described me. I know my life is not right. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air and we're going to pray for you. Holy Spirit, you know everybody that's here. We're just going to wait. Anyone at all. I don't want you to leave here tonight not knowing that you have eternal life with Jesus, that he came to forgive our sins. Kumbranda Rosha. Anyone at all before we move on. Kumbashita Paka. Salabatista. Basalaburata Salamonosha. Let's, let's all say this prayer right now. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. Take control of my life. Now, before we leave, I also want to pray for those that you're in a situation where you really need a miracle. There isn't a single one of us here tonight that we aren't believing for answers to prayer in certain areas of our life. But I mean, you are in a position where you need a miracle. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand so we can pray for you. Now, believers, look around. Don't have that many hands up. I see a couple of hands over here. Anybody in this section, all the way back there in the back. David, all the way over there by your left. All the way back there in the back, there's a hand up. Anybody in this section right here, you really need a miracle. You're right on the verge, right on the edge of it. Anyone else? Okay, just stretch your hands out toward those that have their hands lifted. Father, you are a miracle-working God. And in the name of Jesus, we dispatch that miracle. We come into agreement with these hands that are lifted. Lord, that you perform miracles today just as you always have. Lord, I pray that maybe a hand wasn't lifted, but were there standing and believing for a miracle. Lord, I thank you that we just reach out and touch that just as the woman who touched the hill of the garment of Jesus, that was for healing, but it was for a miracle. That you dispatch your miracle working power to your people. We decree it. We believe it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want us to go out with this confession right now. I want us to say this. Lord, thanks be to you for the victory through my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now before we say go and be blessed and give the Lord a hand, angel tree available as you go by the Christmas tree. If you want to really touch your life, 
of someone that has been incarcerated, doesn't have the ability and the financial ability to take care of their children for a Christmas present, you will be blessed by being part of that outreach. Now let's give the Lord a hand. Bless those people around you. Go and be blessed.